welcome to everyone this morning, all of you that are with us today. And if you're a guest this morning, we welcome you as a part of this service. And uh, those of you that are joining us online this morning, whether you're a part of this congregation or just happen to be watching, we welcome you this morning. And uh, I want to acknowledge a couple of people, and I'll probably miss maybe some that I should. So please, if I miss you, it's really not intentional. Um, But I want to welcome the Enoch Evans family this morning. And... always wonderful to see them and they go to uh, Atlanta West in Atlanta and they're a great blessing to that church down there and it's always a treat to um, see them. It's good to see Sister Stephanie Cobb here this morning and I suspect in her parents opinion, more importantly, the baby, so, amen, and then I want to welcome brother and sister Warren, Zoe's mom and dad, they are in town with us for a couple of days, it's good to have them here with us, and again, if you're a special guest this morning, if I missed you, Jesus didn't, amen, so, Job chapter 38, Job chapter 38, begin reading with verse number 1. I want to read a couple of verses and then I'm going to be, again this morning, reading a good number of scripture. It's kind of weird when preachers preach and quote everything but the Bible. It's kind of strange. So, anyway... I'm not against quoting other stuff. I do. But the primary source is supposed to be the Word of God. Amen. So Job 38, verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it? Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That's a pretty, I I should have read that in the Message Bible. I bet that's pretty good. I think it's kind of saying you're talking and you don't know what you're talking about. And and now and man, this is this is another verse. The King James, you might not quite get what it's saying. The King James says, "Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer and and answer thou me." What he, what that's saying? God was telling Job, "Stand up! I'm getting ready to dress you down." I want to preach to you this morning for a little bit, very simple title, very simple subject really, but it's what I feel today, and that is, what a God. What a God. Father, thank you for your wonderful presence we feel in this place today. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together today and worshiping you. I pray you're blessings upon all of those that are traveling this weekend for the holiday. I pray your hand of protection upon everyone throughout the remainder of this weekend and whatever festivities and activities may be going on in the next day or so, I pray that you would keep your hand upon your people, guard them, bless them, 
pray that you would bless us with wonderful times of fellowship and rest and refreshing. God, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word this morning. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you would say to us today, hearts that are open to receive. I trust you again this morning, Father. I depend on you and acknowledge that without you, I can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. According to some very basic research, there are 332 million people living in the United States. There are currently 7.9 billion people living in the world. According to, again, very basic research, of course, nowadays, most of the time when anyone says that, it's synonymous with saying, I Googled it, that's what research is nowadays. But anywhere, it is estimated that there has been anywhere from 107 billion to 117 billion people who have lived throughout the history of mankind. 107 to 117 billion people. Part of my reason for mentioning those numbers to you is it is really amazing how big some of our egos are and how willing we are to challenge a God who has dealt with 117 billion people. Uh oh, my fingers are sweaty. I shouldn't. I, I have a uh, container of sand here. And uh, again, according to some very intense research, it is estimated that in a liter of sand, there are 8 million grains of sand. So let's say, I, I think this is a thinking in terms of a two-liter bottle of soda in uh, the grocery store. I, I, I would say this is relatively close to that. So let's just, let's just say that in this vase of sand, there are approximately... 16 million grains. I know I can't do it without my glasses, and I'm pretty sure I may not be able to do it with them. To get down to just one single grain of sand. So if my math is correct, and we just say there are 16 million grains of sand... That would be approximately 490 plus jars of this to represent the population of the United States. It would be over seven 
thousand jars to represent the population of all of mankind. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that one of these minute grains of sand is you. That's kind of what was going on in Job chapter 38. This very minute grain of sand was presuming to speak about an infinite God. And and so God says to Job, uh, Job, uh, stand up and Gird up your loins like a stand up and take it like a man. I, I will demand of thee. I will demand of you this speck. I will demand an answer of you. And 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 listen, this is this is some. You ought to read it. if you've never read the the last couple of chapters. You ought to read it. I'm just going to pick out a few things of of what God says to Job. Verse number 4, he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. The next time you want to charge God or challenge God, just, just imagine God responding to you and saying, Where were you? Who hath laid the measures thereof, if you know, or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, where, where were you? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shalt thou come but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Where were you, Job, when I told the oceans? You can only go this far. This is the extent of where you are allowed to go. Where where were you, Job? And, And according to Hebrews, the amazing thing about that is, it says that he did all of that, he framed all of that with his word. He spoke all of that into existence that that the things which we see came from things which we do not see the word the word of God Job chapter 30 continuing chapter 38 skipping down to verse 22 he says have you entered into the treasures of the snow or have you seen the treasures of the hail anybody ever seen them those places where they store up all the salt for the winter. There's one up in, I think it's up right up in uh, in Pasadena, right on Ritchie Highway near 100. Man, these mounds that are, some of them as tall as this building of salt that is prepared to deal. Job, where are the, where is all the snow stored up? What a God. 
what a God, and I'm going to charge him foolishly because I got a few things going on in my life that I don't like. I'm going to stand down the one who told the oceans where to stop. Verse 31 in the Amplified says, Can you bind the chains of the cluster of stars called... I tried to make sure I had the pronunciation right and it's gone. Pleiades, 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 Pleiades. We can come up with all. I'm going to use my phonics here. Or loose the cords of the constellation Orion. Where? Come on, Joe. You got something to say. I got something to say to you. Where were you? Can you do this? Can, can you match what I've done? Chapter 26 and verse 7, Job says this, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Anybody ever tried to hang something in your house? Picture, light, something? Has anybody ever hung it on nothing? Oh, there's some things you may have tried to hang and make it, make it appear as though an illusion that it is hanging on nothing. But the bottom line is you and I can't hang something on nothing. And God, just to kind of show off a little bit, says, watch this. I'm going to take the world and hang it on nothing. I, I, I read, and in, in as you know how when you do, when you do your... Um, Doctoral research on Google, you get suggested uh, searches that also pop up, and and I and I, I couple of them in the course of looking at these figures on how many humans have lived. There's stuff that starts popping up on how it all came about, and and, and then there was this question that was posed that I really didn't need Google to tell me the answer. And in fact, when I read the answer on Google, I just kind of shook my head because there is a, I don't care what Google says, if it contradicts this, I'm going with this. And Google said, which was first, the male or the female? And according to the article that popped up, the answer is that according to research and whatever, it is said that women were first. Now, I know there's probably a few of you ladies that you might side with Google, but I'm sorry. My Bible says God created Adam. And then out of Adam's side, he created Eve. And for those of you that, you know, think that means you're inferior, the bottom line is God did a better job with the second one than he did with the first. Because when Adam was made, he was a man. But when Eve was made, he said, whoa, man, whoa. He stretcheth out the earth, hangs it on nothing. Listen to, listen to what, first. I'm not going to read each one of these. They all have this similar phrase in them. 1 Kings 8.27, 2 Chronicles 2.6, and 2 Chronicles 6, excuse me, 2 Chronicles 6 and 
Yeah, 2.6. And 2 Chronicles 6.18, all three of these verses have this phrase in them that the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. The heaven of heavens cannot contain. What a God. And we want to just get all upset about going through the, oh, the, 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 get, get, you know, annoyed by having to go to church and go through the motions of, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? What a God. The heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. The psalmist said this in Psalms 90 and verse 1, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, before anything was, God already existed. Before any of this was, God was already God. And the amazing thing about it is, everything man does, he he has to do it again and again and again to perfect it. Anybody here that would choose, you would rather drive one of the first cars they built versus what you drive now? I mean, even the person that's got the, the biggest... Even the person that's got the the biggest clunker here, you're choosing to drive that over the original. Because it's neat, but it doesn't do what they do now. Man always has to work to improve. I've been married 30 years. I've been a dad 25 plus years. And I can tell you without a doubt, I am a better husband today than I was 30 years ago. And I'm a better dad today than I was 25 years ago. And I intend to be a better dad as time goes on and a better husband as time goes on. But God was God from the beginning. He didn't, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We, we don't have to have a revised edition because there were some things in the original Word that weren't correct. I know that humanity has said a lot of things to contradict this Word, but it's amazing that it's man changing its ideas to fit what the Word of God says, in particular in some scientific areas. I'm talking about morality. It's not the Word of God. How many times has science had to change some theories that it had, but the Word of God set them from the very beginning? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Isaiah 40 Verse 21 says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. They are as just specks of sand. And the inhabitants are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. He, he sits 
He's so big he sits. And he's not even comfortably sitting. He's just, you ever, you ever just had to prop on, I would say prop a cheek, but that wouldn't be too appropriate here from the pulpit, so. You just kind of prop against something. that You can't. God can't comfortably sit on the circle of the earth. It's not big enough. I know, I know all of you theologians have tuned me out this morning because I am not deep enough for your spiritual intellect. And you're probably some of the ones I'm preaching to the most. Because you've gotten so smart, God's asking you, um, where's the knowledge to go with your words? Because there's also a big difference between intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge. The Bible says, oh, taste and see. Don't just take my word for it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, there's a good chance part of the reason why is because you have tasted and you have seen. I got a question, is there anybody here this morning that when you're hungry, you just go walk the aisles of the grocery store and look at all the food on the shelves and walk out of there and feel content? What value does all the groceries on the shelves in the grocery store do you if you simply walk the aisles and take nothing off the shelf and eat it? What value? But here's the other question I have for you. If you leave here today and you go up to Safeway and you walk the aisles of Safeway and you walk out just as hungry as you were when you went in, do you have a right to leave a Google review that says how terrible Safeway is? Because I went there hungry and I left there. This isn't in the notes, by the way, so I don't know who this is for. I went there hungry and I left hungry. Don't go sit in Burger King on... But forget, don't go to five guys. Don't go sit in five guys and look at everybody around you eating burgers and get mad at five guys because you're still hungry. Don't, don't go with me to Mission Barbecue after this afternoon and sit there and watch me eat my turkey if they have it yet. Apparently there's a turkey crisis in America, which I don't understand that because I'm around turkeys all the time. Don't, don't, don't sit there and not taste and eat anything and leave hungry and go tell people how bad Mission Barbecue is. I'm kind of sick and tired that we'd never do that with a grocery store and we'd never do it with a restaurant. But people come in and out of a church service week after week after week and they never take something off the shelf. They never taste and see, but they've got an opinion on it. Don't tell me your opinion unless you have tasted and seen for yourself. Won't do you any good. I watch week after week after week after week as people not just guess. Really, it's usually not the guests. Usually it's more so the people that come all the time that disturb me, that sit week after week after week, and you go through the motions and you never partake of anything. And and then you want to sit and pick apart the worship team or you want to pick apart the preaching because you didn't open your mouth and receive. Oh, taste and see.
biggest critics in the world are the ones that sit on the sidelines. Pick it all apart, but they invest nothing in it. But they have an opinion. I got to get back to the notes. This is... mm. Isaiah 44 and verse 6. That, that's why I, no, I can't stop quite there. That's why, uh, that's why there's a bunch of people that, that some of you may still be in the category of, of if, it's, if it's not your first time, then you, maybe you're in the category of you, you've gone past, I'll never be back. So it's, it cracks me up how many people, first time they come to an apostolic church, make up their mind, I will never, get me out of here, I'll never be back. And then usually something followed by that is something along the lines of, but if I do ever come back, I definitely will never act the way these people act. If you think you're the first one that's ever thought that or said that, you are way, if you think you're the first, you're just another speck. Because what you don't understand is some of the people around here that act the craziest or some of the people that had their mind made up the most. I'll never come back. But if I come back, I'll never act like that. I'll never do that. And now, why? Because of a taste. Isaiah 44 and verse 6, Thus saith the the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me, And beside me there is no God. There is no other God. There's a lot of professing gods and there's a lot of imitation gods, but there's only one God. Isaiah, same chapter, skipping down to verse 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Anybody ever gotten one of those packages in the mail, one of those boxes in the mail that's got that little icon on the side of multiple people picking up the package or you get to the direction it tells you you need several people to put this together you can't or you shouldn't do this by yourself I say shouldn't because some of us our stubbornness kicks in and we're going to show everybody I can do this by myself and it rarely ever goes well because there is so much I, I was in here last Monday morning helping to do a little bit of wedding prep and, and, and Brother Mike Rumchek and, and that other guy that stole my daughter. They were in here. I was feeling a little bit better about him Wednesday evening, but I'm not so much right now. I got I to gotta work through that again. <laughs> But they, they were in here putting the, I, I don't know what the thing exactly was called, but the frame for that beautiful setup on the on the platform. And, and those two guys were working, putting it together, and I was pretending like I was straightening chairs. I was actually kind of watching them out the corner of my eye, kind of getting a little. They couldn't have. I, I, at one point, it needed to be some pieces taken out, and I, I was I was taking point, but I, I couldn't do it by myself. Think of all of the tasks 
that you and I cannot do by ourselves that really are kind of minor things. And, and, and Isaiah, the Lord through Isaiah said, Hey, you see all this? I did it by myself. I didn't need no help. I didn't need any input. I didn't have any questions. I had to get somebody. I, I did it all by myself. What a God. Isaiah 66 and verse 1. Thus, here we go. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me and where is the place of my rest? Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. What Do you really think God is, is fretting over what's going on in this world right now? You, you, you think God is, is, is having an anxiety attack because of all the chaos in our world? Do, do you think it's phasing Him? Is there anybody this morning that you, you, you think that and you're honest enough to acknowledge that? You, you think God is troubled by our world? You and I may be, but I got a question. If God is not even bothered by our world because He knows He can handle our world, you think he's fretting over your speck? You got pretty good eyes, right? Can you see? Ace, it's on there. I feel it. Can you even see it? You see it? Come on. I don't. Oh, I do believe it. You know, it's crazy when you pick up something you know. I used to be able to read that without something on my face. We have an eye test. Can you? No. You think God is is fretting over your speck? I'm not done the message yet. So before you get too offended with me this morning, but I, you got to get this point first. If he's not bothered by 7.9 billion people and all the trouble and the chaos, if, if he's not bothered by all the, all the droughts and all the famines and all the other, if he's not bothered by all of that, do you think he's one bit bothered by your little tiny world? And yet there are people sitting in this room today that are questioning God this morning because you don't think He's dealing with your world. The problem is He's not dealing with it the way you want Him to. That, that's the problem. Heaven is His throne. Earth is his footstool, the heaven of heavens. The heaven of heavens cannot contain God. The heaven of heavens. Do you understand when we use the word omnipresent for, for most of my life when I thought of that word with regards to God, God is omnipresent. I have, I have typically thought of that word in the context of space. 
that God fills all space. He is omnipresent, and that is correct. But I, I, I learned something years ago now. When, when it's talking about God being omnipresent, He is not just omnipresent in all space. God is omnipresent in time. That's why for you and I sitting here today with some problems we're dealing with and some questions in our lives and some situations we're going through, all we know is what we're dealing with right now. And while God is with you right now, He's already at the end of it and knows how it's all going to work out. They, they, were, they, they had come to the tomb to find Jesus after he, had, after he had died on the cross. And the angel comes and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You know why that question was asked? Because they were coming to the tomb from the, from the point of reference of the cross and death. But you know what? Those angels hadn't come to the tomb from the point of the cross. They had departed from heaven. They're coming from death. They're coming from victory. That's why some of you today, you need to do one simple thing. Here it is. One simple thing in your walk with God. Just keep walking. Because if you'll keep walking, you are getting closer and closer and closer to the victory that's coming from the other side. And while it may be in the future for you, God is everywhere. And He knows the end from the beginning. I I have only scratched the surface of things throughout Scripture that describe the awesomeness of God. The bottom line is, if I spent all day here, all day today going over Scripture, I couldn't adequately get across to you how great, how awesome, how big God is. So if you haven't taken my word by now, all I can tell you is, what a God. Who has done all that he's done and is doing all that he is doing. What a God. But but watch this. That God that the heaven of heavens can't contain. The God who sits on the circle of the earth. The God who heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. That same God in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8 came to a speck. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. That God shows up. One speck, I tried to tell you, you were in the beginning that in a lot of ways is so insignificant. That that one speck, whether you're comparing it to the population of this nation, the population of the world, or if you're comparing it to all mankind, 
that, that one speck that you are that is so insignificant. That God came in the cool of the day to spend time with a speck. Brother Tony, that God that there's no way to adequately fully describe shows up in the cool of the day. The psalmist said, I can't remember if I said it already, but the psalmist said, what? What is man that you are mindful of him? What, what, is, what is man compared to a God that fills all time and space, compared to a God who, who heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool? What is man that you are mindful of him? And yet, what was it that God became? Out of all the vastness of God's creation, out of all of the amazing things that God spoke into existence, it was that one tiny speck that God became. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse number 6, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them, not one of them is forgotten before God. I, I, I'm, I've told you I'm, I'm just deciding... I might as well embrace this getting old thing. I, there's no point in fighting it unless I'm going to die. I can't stop it. So I, I got a bird feeder months ago, and somebody said, have you got one? Just wait. No, one's all I'm going to get, just one. But I happened to buy some seed at Home Depot that the birds in the front yard didn't seem to like, so I wasn't going to waste the seed, so... I got another bird feeder in the backyard now. And then a few of my kids for Father's Day gave me a bird bath. And then a couple more of my kids, I have another birdhouse on the way, except the birdhouse on the way, Brother Barr, has a built-in camera that you can hook up to your phone. But I, I, I kind of, <laughs> I'm not looking. I just feel my kids shaking their heads. I just feel it. <laughs> I, I, I see all that because, on it, and I've thought this in the past, my mom's got a bunch of bird feeders in her, back, her backyard. But those birds are not going without food. They... They're not suddenly eating now because I decided to put bird feeders in my yard. He, he says, not, not one sparrow falls to the ground and your, your father is not aware. He, I, I'm sorry, folks, it may offend some of you, but he didn't die for a sparrow. He didn't take on the image and the form of a sparrow. 
And if he cares that much to know when a sparrow falls to the ground, how much more? And the next verse says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. This God, oh my goodness. This God that is so amazingly, awesomely big knows, I'm not going to start counting them, don't worry. He, He knows how many hairs are on your head. And, and I've said this before, but for most of my life, I thought, big deal. I mean, really? <laughs> okay, so you know how many hairs I have up there. Great. What good does that do me? But, but I, I got a revelation a couple of years ago, uh, and, and, and I, I did one of those sleep tests, and I was having some issues and whatever, and I, I went to one of those sleep centers, and I spent the night there, and, and, and you lay down, and, and man, they... They hook you up with like 65 sensors. And you're supposed to sleep. The place I went to was over on uh, General's Highway, or Defense, Defense Highway, in the basement of one of these office buildings. My appointment was on a Saturday night. Do you know what's going on on a Saturday night at an office building? Nothing. Do you know who's there? Nobody. Do you know what it's like to walk in there on a Saturday night and go down to the basement? I've, unfortunately, I've watched too many movies. It's no wonder when you go do those sleep studies, they diagnose you with sleep issues. (laughs) You're in a completely strange place, hooked up with all kinds of stuff. People are monitoring you that you don't know, watching you sleep. Anyway, thankfully, I sleep anywhere, so it wasn't a problem. But it dawned on me because, man, they were, they were checking limb movements and heart rate and brain, all this kind of stuff. And, and when I woke up that morning, in fact, I'll never forget it, I preached that morning at the Fort Meade daughter work uh, with, with brother and sister Mallory. And that was, it ended up being the message I preached because all of a sudden I realized the gist of what was being said when he says, I've got the very hairs of your head numbered. He was just trying to tell you how intimately knowledgeable he is of the details of your life if you think God has missed the memo of what's going on in your life how in the world can you think that if he knows how many hairs you got if he knows how many hairs are on your head surely he knows that your family is in turmoil that your health is in need that your finance surely he knows Very hairs, the psalmist said. Many of you here could just about quote Psalm 23 word for word, and many of you that couldn't quote it word for word could get the gist of it. But have you ever stopped for a moment and really thought about what the psalmist said? He did not say, The Lord is a shepherd. And he did not stop and say, the Lord is the shepherd. 
All of those things are correct. All of those things would be true. But there's a big difference. Go out in that parking lot this afternoon and find out the difference between a car and your car. Because it may be a car, but if it's not your car, and you get in and try to drive it, I don't care if you're a brother or sister, we're calling the cops on you. There's a big difference between a shepherd, the shepherd, but that's not what David said. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I hope he's your shepherd. I hope you believe he's your shepherd. I hope you know he's your shepherd. But I'm going to tell you today, the Lord is my shepherd. That great God, I've tried to give you just a little bit of an idea about, that is my shepherd. I don't, I, I, I guess girls may do this, but I know guys are the ones that definitely have a tendency because I did it and I'm assuming my kids have done it. But I was on the playground sometimes and got in a little bit of a tussle with my friends and said, I'm going to go get my dad. And often the response from the other person is, well, I'll get my dad, and he's bigger than yours. And then you start going back and forth with, no, my dad's bigger than your dad. Bottom line is, there's one dad that's not bigger than the other dad. But can I tell you, my shepherd, wow. He's not just like a bunch of other shepherds. There may be some great shepherds, but he's, he, he's my shepherd, and he is the shepherd of shepherds. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, He has, he, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, The God that the heavens of heavens cannot contain, the God who's Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, says, I will never leave you. You're like, why don't you all just got fireworks on your mind? You just, I will never leave you. I'm just a speck. I'm just a tiny little speck. But the God that created all of this says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You say, well, but what about what I'm going through? We sang it this morning. When I go through the river, when I go through the fire, when I go through the flood, Yea, though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. Why? I might be just a speck, but the one that made it all is with me. The one that did it all by himself is with me will never leave me. I preached it last Sunday morning. Emmanuel, God, God with us. How amazing is it that the God that Scripture describes as being so awesome 
and amazing. How easy, how easy would it be in comparison to the rest of mankind and humanity for God to have an opinion of us that we are just an insignificant nothing. And, and, and the bottom line is he, he could have with the hundred and plus billion people that have lived in all of human history, I am so insignificant. The amazing thing is He treats every one of us as if we were the only one. With God, there are no big eyes and little U's. That, that, that God who was so amazing, the God who's created all of this, spoke it all into existence with just His words, manifested in the flesh, has a woman brought to Him caught in the act of adultery, violated one of the laws he had given. <laughs> How easy would it have been for God to just look at that speck and gone, <sighs> just get, get out of here. Just get out of my sight. And, and yet, the human embodiment of that God gets down in the dust. <laughs> Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll be able to hear one day what he wrote. We don't know, but he begins to write in the sand. And this woman, standing before the judge of all judges, says to the crowd gathered around her, if there's any of you without sin, go ahead, start stoning her. And the Bible says one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, they began to drop their rocks and walk away. And then he says to that one speck, woman, where are those who accuse you? some of the most amazing words in all of the Bible. Neither do I condemn you. They were a bunch of sinners just like her. Maybe they hadn't committed the same sin she had, but they were all sinners. But the one that was the sinless Lamb of God who had never sinned says, neither, neither do I condemn you. Go and go and sin no more. To the leper that everybody else was afraid of that had to walk down the street because of his condition and yell out unclean and people would scatter to get away because they didn't want to get near the leper. To, to, to that person, he comes up and, and he touches him. The one that nobody else wanted anything to do with. Oh, somebody hear me right now. 
the one that everybody else passed by and overlooked and ignored and wanted to stay away from, he comes up and touches. What? What a God. What a God. What a God. What a God. That same God, and I've heard all kinds of different opinions on it. And no offense, I don't think anybody else's opinion on it is any better than mine when it basically boils down to opinion. But 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 one of the families that had been very connected with Jesus and Lazarus dies and his sisters are left to grieve and the Bible says Jesus came to them and he comes to the tomb shortest verse shortest verse in all of the Bible two simple words and all it says is Jesus wept I've heard people that said the reason Jesus wept is he was so bothered by their unbelief and he wept because of their unbelief. I I really don't believe that. I believe Jesus wept because he is a very present help in trouble. And I believe Jesus wept in that moment because in that moment, even though he knew what he was about to do, in that moment, he was moved by that individual Because Hebrews tells us we have a high priest who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. If he's moved by your infirmities, if he's touched by your infirmities, don't tell me Jesus was standing at that tomb crying because he was so disappointed in their lack of faith. I don't believe that. I believe Jesus was standing there because even though it was just another speck of humanity, just another grain of the billions of people who had lived to that point, the creator of it all created all of this ultimately because of you and I. I know Job got a serious talking to. I know he dressed him down pretty good. But I also know that it wasn't just about ultimately telling Job off. You ever ever had somebody push your button? I think Job just kind of pushed God's button a little bit. Don't, don't, don't charge me, Job. You don't know what you're talking about. Where, where were you? Whatever you're going through today, however big it is for you, and I'm not minimizing how significant your trial and difficulties may be, but where, where were you when God said? Let there be light. And there was light. That, that God, 
big as he is. Also, it comes so personal. Have you ever, you, ever, you ever been around people that were important and knew they were important? Walked around with an air that says, do you know who I am? I think it's funny sometimes when people that are supposedly popular and celebrities and whatever, and they, they come across people that have no idea who they are. Don't you know who I am? No, no, I don't. I don't know who you are. They throw around who they are like they're the greatest things in sliced bread. That's not his attitude. That's not the way he approaches us. He's moved with compassion. He's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And so really, I don't know how well I've communicated it, but (laughs) the insignificance that you and I are in comparison to all of humanity how small I am compared to all of mankind that has ever lived is the very thing that also helps me grasp how amazing is it that the God of the universe would take time for me. How is it that the God of the universe would know the hairs on my head? How is that? That shows how amazing He is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are for a moment? I I don't know if we'll go beyond this in this service, but let's just at least start here for a moment. Yeah, you and I are so insignificant in comparison to the billions of people that are on this earth and have walked this earth. We are so insignificant. But there is a God. There is a God that is so intimately acquainted and knowledgeable of our lives. knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly what you've been through. He knows what you're going to go through. But He also has a plan. And He also promises that it all works together for good. I think I will go a step farther. and It's just one person. So be it. You're in this place this morning, whether you're a guest or you come regularly, but you're not, you're not struggling grasping the part of this message about how small and insignificant you are. You, you believe that wholeheartedly. But your struggle is believing that a God so awesome knows where you are 
is working on your behalf, is perfecting things in your lives. That's, that's where your struggle is. I want to invite somebody right now that you're struggling with that. I want you to, I want to invite you to get up and walk down to the front of this sanctuary and just stand here, close your eyes, lift your hands. Because I believe the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord just wants to reach down to somebody right now and just, just envelop you. You, 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 you may have some great feeling or emotion that goes with it. You might, but it, it may be just that gentle, almost unrecognizable embrace that comes from Him. It's so, it's so gentle you can almost miss it because He's not knocking you off your feet. He's not, as we would say, as my wife would say to our kids when they were younger and we would hug them, we're going to squeeze the juice out of you. He may not be bear hugging you and squeezing the air out of you. It, it might even just be more like just the simple resting of a hand on your shoulder, but the, the affirmation to say, you may be just a speck, but you're a speck that I'm interested in. You may be just one simple grain of sand amongst the billions of other grains, but I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I, I feel what you feel. I see what you see. I invite someone else right now to help be the hands of Jesus to let the Lord use you right now to help be a manifestation of that presence, that love, that compassion. He's before you behind you he's always beside you there's no shadow you'll ever be in there's no valley you'll ever walk through that he won't know exactly where you are what a God what an amazing God what an absolutely amazing God. And that God knows exactly where you are, exactly what you're going through, exactly what you're feeling, every question, every doubt, every fear, every bit of anxiety, every bit of turmoil. He's right there with you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, right now, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that you would manifest yourself in a personal, intimate way right now, God. Not just simply to everyone that's in this place, but I pray that especially these individuals that have come to this altar this morning, God, that you would right now Confirm yourself to them. 
confirm to them, God, that you really do know exactly where they are. In spite of the turmoil they may be going through, in spite of the chaos they may be facing, in, in spite of sickness, in spite of needs, in spite of family crisis, you know, God, you know according to the promise of your word you're going to work it all together you're going to work it all together for our good in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I may just be a small grain of sand God in the history of mankind but not insignificant to you. I'm not overlooked by you. I'm not shrugged off by you, God. You know my name. You know where I am. You know everything there is to know about me. You know my thoughts. You know my thoughts before I even think them, God. That's how intimately acquainted with me you are. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your spirit bring peace right now. Let your spirit bring assurance right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray God for every person in this sanctuary that's been battling thoughts and feelings that you don't know where they are. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're dealing with, God. I pray right now that every one of those thoughts would be taken captive. I pray, God, that the helmet of salvation would be put on to guard our minds, to guard our minds from every accusing thought of the enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. While those that are praying continue to do so, if you need to go or you want to go, you're, you're welcome to do so. Thank you again for being in service with us today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your peace today. We pray for the assurance that comes from you today, God. You're not so big, you're not so great, God, that you've forgotten about me, that you've overlooked me. so awesome God that you've neglected me as an individual you know you know God you know in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name hallelujah 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 hallelujah